I'm Jeffrey Coolwater. I live in Canada, but I happen to be an abolitionist vegan. You can follow me on Twitter. Just do a search for at MacVegan. Now back to your host, coexisting with non-human animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, Let's well. get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, The Rabbit Hunter. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I've got plenty of things planned for the future, especially for Invsoc, the Invercargill Vegan Society, and so it was a little delayed. Sorry. I've still been listening to audiobooks. My largest problem with the show is actually winnowing down my clip supply. I have many hours worth of clips on my hard drive, ready to use when the stars align, from audiobooks and news reports I've heard. I'd probably prefer to just produce podcasts to make clips and write scripts, and have someone with a better radio voice read from the teleprompter, just like the president taking orders from big industry, while I sit around in the background, in pyjamas all day. A recent audiobook I finished was Dune. Or, an American, Dune. Just like how we would say YouTube, and they say YouTube. You've got to shorten it down a bit. If some poor woman is unlucky enough to carry my child in the future, they're going to be named either Frodo or Muad'Dib. A new one for you. The Gomjabar. It kills only animals. Pride overcame Paul's fear. You dare suggest the Duke's son is an animal? Let us say I suggest you may be human. Steady. I warn you not to try jerking away. I am old, but my hand can drive this needle into your neck before you escape me. Yes, we certainly are all animals, whether we like to admit it or not. We talk about giving animals human emotions, but shouldn't that just be animal emotions? Imagine if we were so arrogant to see other animals moving and say, yeah, that's a human form of movement when they use the legs and all, but it's not quite as good as when we mighty humans do it. Let's get over ourselves. Our hallowed Dawkins would set poor Atreides, or Muad'Dib as his friends call him, straight. We are all cousins of all animals and plants. We know that we're descended from uh, a common ancestor which might have been something like bacteria. We know the process by which that came about. We don't know the details, but we understand essentially how it came about. There are still gaps in our understanding. We don't understand how the cosmos came into existence in the first place, but we're working on that. Sea Shepherd is certainly not animal rights, regardless of the common misconception. They are not against killing animals, they run vegan ships, apparently due to conservation reasons, for the environment. They are not animal rights. And we can see this in the naming of their ships. One well-known vessel is the Steve Irwin, who we all better know for appearing on the 500 Australian didgeridollar note, with the caption of, CRIKEY, underneath. I've long disagreed with Sea Shepherd, who are generally remembered for going after whale killing. I don't like their boat ramming stunts, how they throw smelly liquids and use violent imagery, and I say this while calling myself a dictator for life. 
I don't like how they have giant metal poles, referred to as the can opener, that stick out the front of their boats, and that they're proud of sinking ships. Also, the whole pirate thing is a few hundred years out of date, they're basically extinct. Now, likening your one-member vegan society to an oppressive, all-powerful government, now you're talking cool analogies. Stopping whale killing makes us pirates. Big deal. Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, ran Australia Zoo. The guy ran about tackling animals to the ground, tying them up, sedating them, putting them in this giant zoo. He was not vegan, and zoos are not heaven for wild animals. And yet, Sea Shepherd, often believed to be an animal rights group, has one of their main boats named after this guy, the Steve Irwin. It's just weird. Digging around on this old hard drive, I came across a New Zealand radio station's interview with Irwin, the Edge radio station, with The Morning Madhouse, which rests firmly in the Morning Zoo radio show category. In this first clip, the world learns there actually is a difference between Australian and New Zealand accents, and it's not just the fact that New Zealanders totally sound sexier. There's so many stories we've heard about you, so we'd just like to take a moment to clear a handful of them up. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this game is called Croc of Shit or Crocodile. <laughs> oh, no. So, so if the story is a fact, you need to shout out Crocodile. If the story's just a rumour, you'd need to shout out Croc of Shit. <laughs> Crocodile shit. Shit. Oh, crocodile shit. Shit, shit. mate. Shit. Can I say that on radio? Yeah, oh, mate. Yeah. Of course you can. Apparently you're, so. You're the, you're the crocodile hunter. You say what the hell you like. Oh, okay. Okay. First one, Steve Irwin. For Terry's 10th anniversary present, you made her a pair of crocodile skin boots. Crocodile shit, mate. I hate that. Don't ever go there with Steve Irwin. Okay. It's important to see the difference between animal rights and conservation. Animal rights is concerned for the individual. We're all children of our Lord, Steve Jobs. We're all someone special in his eyes. Even if he totally doesn't reply to our emailed suggestions for the iPhone 5, like make it cooler and stuff. Conservation cares for the species. It's sort of like Pokemon or stamp collecting. You'd like there to be a wide variety of animals alive to be seen for our enjoyment. Each chicken or crocodile or whale doesn't matter. But if they were the last of their species, and they were to die, then it's a tragedy, because there would be no more of species X in the world. Steve Irwin cared a lot about conservation. If that's defined by wearing clothes the colour of light dirt, jumping on large animals, and putting them on display at your zoo. Cattle are not close to extinction. Crocodiles, comparatively, are. Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, liked crocodiles. I guess it's like when little boys and girls fight with each other. It's because they like each other, right? Steve Irwin is not vegan. He had no problem with wearing common animal skins in the form of shoes, but wouldn't even entertain the joke of wearing crocodile skin. Is there any ethical difference between a cow and a crocodile? I don't think the cow would think so. In this clip, we find out how PC the developed world has become in comparison to how young Australians spend their time. Playing a little game with Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, is it crocker shit or crocodile that you learnt to catch crocodiles when you were nine years old? Crocodile. Yeah. Nine years How old. How about that? For real. Brave little kid. Hello. Now, we here in Australasia have high standards of culture. May I remind you that New Zealand was the first country to give all citizens, male and female, the right to vote. 
We make really great movies. We're generally opposed to war. Over 70% of our power is generated renewably. Decades ago, we experimented with LPG gas and cars, trying to move away from overseas oil. And, uh, Australians? Well, they're good at sunshine and surfing. With our great achievements in mind, and uh, Australia's nice beaches filled with friendly great white sharks, stinging jellyfish, the poisonous snakes, uh, I play this next clip. Okay, um, Steve oh. Irwin, nine months before your daughter was born, Terry, your wife, was attacked by a non-poisonous snake called Steve. Crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Is that true? Think about oh, it, JJ. I repeatedly attacked with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, hello. I can't, I can't I'm really you. tired this morning. I can't okay? believe you, I JJ. Got, you see, I'm that, this mad in, in, like, you know, catching wildlife, you should come home with me at night. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but no. All right, Steve, there's only a few more. I'd like to jump in and add here, the Morning Madhouse have often made adult jokes and had plenty of competitions where JJ, the sole female, had to take her top off in public. Recently, Mike, one of the hosts, came out with some news of his own. You didn't cry about putting your dog down, but no. you cried over Glee, which no. is... Yeah. <laughs> probably a sign. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I must admit, this is um, a very hard thing for me to talk about, and for years I've never really mentioned it. But, you know, for, for my sake and for your sake, because we're all just friends here, um, I think it is time that I came clean. Yes, Regan is a dude. I am gay. I um, have been for a long time in a relationship with Regan. And I've never really talked about it too much on the air because I've never thought it was a huge deal. But as you trip through life, you know that, you know, time is passing you by fast. And you've got a lot of life to live. And um, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't need to hide it anymore because, I'm comfortable with who I am. I have brilliant friends and family around me, and uh, I thought today was the day that I let you all know that. So I am sorry if it upsets some of you. Um, I'm sorry if it um, comes a bit of a surprise as well. Um, but I just thought that, you know, to make life easier for everyone, we should be honest, open, and just get it out there. So there you go, I've said it. And it's a tough thing to talk about. I'd stopped listening to radio by the time Mike came out as homosexual, but I was really impressed when I heard about it. Mike grew up in Gore, a part of Southland not far from Invercargill where I live. And uh, how should I put it? If Invercargill was not known for veganism, Gore wouldn't be known for tolerance towards homosexual people. There's long been a stereotype of bigoted, redneck, white trash people living in Gore in Southland, and that it wasn't very gay friendly. It's not exactly the most developed area, having only recently gotten a McDonald's how could we live without McDonald's? So yeah, it'll be a little while before there are any vegan restaurants run by homosexual owners in Gore. Recently I brought a few gay rights t-shirts, clothing for equal rights regardless of who we are. I rather like wearing one in particular, Gore, it's not that gay, with an image of two civil gentlemen having a picnic beneath a nice tree. In Southland, it's quite common to say, it's gay, as a negative thing. A TV show you don't like? Yeah, that's gay. Having homework? Gay. I've started calling my friends out when they say it, and it comes up surprisingly often. On the Mr. Vintage website, a description explains the shirt. Back in 99, Gore was labelled the gay capital of New Zealand by some dudes with a sense of humour. The people of Gore were quick to react, and recently statistics showed Gore is one of the least homosexual towns in New Zealand. 
The Emir has been very diplomatic in stating how inclusive and accepting Gore is towards homosexuals, but it appears that his declaration is not widely shared by the Gore public. A local wedding celebrant even admitted homosexuals are frowned upon in Gore, and more recently, one of those who ushered in the gay Gore jibe, Jeremy, well Jeremy Wells, was harassed by some residents of Gore and labelled a frigging homo for his troubles. Come on, Gore, get with the times. There's nothing wrong with being gay. Recently, Jeremy Wells, media personality, stayed overnight in Gore. Somehow a mob of people recognised him, and he was trapped in the hotel room with angry Goreites or whatever you call someone from Gore. I propose Gorons. Angrily, they'd claimed that he was saying it was a gay town, and that made them very mad. Wells was apparently rescued by police after they had him trapped in the motel. Just a little bit of New Zealand pop culture, with one of the few openly homosexual media personalities in New Zealand, from Southland, my region, and proud of who he is. I wear my equal rights t-shirts with pride, gay pride you could say. We learn about the crocodile hunter's fashion sense and moral compass. Have you got any other clothes or just a whole lot of those things? I've got a pair of jeans. I got them back in 95. And I wore them once, hated them, and, that was, and they're still there, though. Hey, how's this? You know, when we did the movie, the MGM, they bought me 22 new pairs of car keys. Oh, yeah. Oh, MGM. I've still got, oh, like, I've got like, 12 of them still in their plastic, um, you know, the things they come in, the plastic wrappers, mate. What happened to the others? Have they been chewed off your... Uh... No, no, no. We're in one set right now. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, you know, you're supposed to, you know, after movies, you're supposed to give all your clothes back and that. Yeah, no, I ripped them right off. Bloody yeah. <laughs> well, well, you, you're, you're, you're an Australian. We wouldn't expect anything else. Yeah, mate. Well, we'll be in being an Aussie. It's all about what fell off the back of the truck, you know. <laughs> okay, so the man doesn't like to change clothing much. We get it. Older listeners may remember yet another Australian man with crocodile in his media persona. Oh, that's cool. Hey, you know what? We love your zoo. We went there about four years ago, and we think it's an amazing so, place. So it was only two years ago. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Like oh, crocodile shit. Easter <laughs> You got busted. <laughs> uh, just lastly, before we go, what, what do you really think of Crocodile Dundee? Oh, mate, Crocodile Dundee was an incredible character. Mick Dundee was was absolutely incredible. He gained great accolades. Well, not only for Australia, you know, for Australia and New Zealand, because what happens with tourism is a lot of people come to Australia and New Zealand. They've got this great technique of being able to fly, you know, Brisbane, Sydney, Auckland, you know, and then on to America, return flight. So he gained great tourism credits for, for, for this region. He yeah. really did. Cool. And, um, but you know what? The bloke was a crocodile poacher, and if I ran into him out in the bush, I'd take him out. Woo! Oh, yeah. Ooh, that'll be a fight, eh? Crocodile yeah. Dundee versus Crocodile oh, Hunter. Mate, mate, it'd be so quick, it'd be just a blink. I mean, you couldn't even get it on television. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey Steve, you got to get the last word of this interview. How about you give us a big crikey? Crikey! Have a go at these blokes, would you? Crocodile Dundee was a poacher, and if I ran into him in the bush, I'd take him out? What? He shot wild animals? Rare animals? He wore the skins, teeth, etc. from crocodiles. About taking him out. I've seen the Crocodile Dundee movies where Dundee kills a near endless stream of goons by himself in the bush. And while the crocodile hunter managed to beat up single animals, Dundee took out entire armed squads in the Australian outback. 
Those Australians, it must be something in the Vegemite. Australians wrestling each other never solves anything. Actually, it's generally the cause of the world's problems. Violence doesn't solve violence. Dundee killing crocodiles. Is this any different from the crocodile hunter, ironically against killing crocodiles, instead preferring to wrestle them into submission, tie them up, take them from the wild and put them in zoos? Is it any different than him being mad at people who wear the skins of other animals? And he's non-vegan. I really don't think so. And especially, if Sea Shepherd were an animal rights group, if they were to name one of their boats after such a man. Both are for conservation. They were, or are not, for animal rights. Regardless of their adoration, I don't think it's a good idea to go after vegan celebrities to make celebrities vegan, to build someone up, to give them book deals, pay them a million bucks to appear half-naked in your welfare campaigns, etc. Cash cows are not vegan. Even if he was. Incredible character. Was, was absolutely incredible. He gained great accolades for Australia. It wouldn't be a good idea for an animal rights group to use Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, to spread a message of respect for all animals, namely because they were not vegan themselves. In New Zealand, we have a problem with wild rabbits. Well, farmers have a problem with wild rabbits. I rather like the wild rabbits that live in our nearby public gardens. I've taken several videos of them and have put them up on my YouTube account. I'll link to them on my show notes. Or you can find it at www.youtube.com slash jwontdart. I've gotten within touching distance of them before until they were scared away by a loud noise in the distance. I wouldn't try and pat them, or pick them up, but it was nice seeing how close I could get to them while staying a respectful distance apart. If a few rabbits want to live in the Otapuni Gardens and keep the grass levels down, more power to them, I say. On our farmland, however, where we fence in cows and sheep, rabbits cause problems with erosion, they supposedly spread diseases which cows can catch, and their holes can cause farm animals to break their legs. It's not often mentioned that New Zealanders were the ones who released the rabbits here, so we could shoot them for fun and use their dead bodies for flesh, for fur. When the rabbits wisely focused not on war, but on love, this ended up in massive amounts of rabbits everywhere. New Zealand farmers use all kinds of methods to kill them, or control rabbit numbers as they politically corrected up. From releasing viruses, you know, chemical wealth, welfare, chemical warfare, <laughs> great stuff Saddam, to having organised shooting campaigns. This was in the New Zealand news recently, and a quick heads up to those who care for rabbits. The videos which I'll play in audio form contained rabbits being shot, their skin taken off, and their bodies being ground up into pet food, and for posh pets too. For all those animal lovers out there who loved their cats and dogs, but apparently not food animals. I go through this each day, knowing my chicken friends. It upsets me to see a hundred plus dead chickens at the supermarket, as people scramble over each other, grabbing a plastic container of their bodies, the head and legs cut off, with each chicken's life being valued at about five dollars. 
A warning about our next story. Some viewers may find the pictures disturbing. The report deals with the rabbit population in the Mackenzie Basin, which is exploding again 13 years after RCD was illegally introduced into the country. This time, not everyone's complaining. Two experienced rabbit hunters have decided to cash in. They're exporting wild rabbit to the United States as an upmarket pet food. Hamish Clark reports. Behind the lupins that line State Highway 8, rabbits are breeding in their millions, overrunning the Mackenzie Basin. They exploded sort of overnight. Experienced rabbiters Tony Goddard and Bob Johnson are out to get as many as they can. Well, we should get between 150 and 200 rabbits tonight, I would think. Sure enough, as the sun goes down, the rabbits pop up. And out comes the 22 and Spotlight. I have sat in one spot and shot 15 adult rabbits. With rabbit numbers skyrocketing, shooting is vital as farmers try and contain the growing numbers. You can notice that the numbers have gone down but there's still well, thousands of rabbits there to be shot. Tony and Bob reckon they've taken 100,000 rabbits and hares out of the Mackenzie Basin. And while that's good for business, it's good for farmers as well. Green grass in the basin, which normally is barren. 46 shooters are on the books, earning a couple of dollars a bunny. How many rabbits have you got here, Nigel? Um, about 170. The rabbits are chilled, ready for processing. Yeah, well, cats love the stuff, and people like to look after their cats and pets and what have you. So. We're pulling out a thousand rabbits a day. What is? They're skinned and put through a metal detector, catching out any stray lead before they're bagged and boxed for export. Yes, very poncy pets, I'd say. I hate seeing waste, and uh, I like to see a resource that's been grown on the land um, being sold or used. Wild New Zealand rabbit, perfect for those posh American pets. Hamish Clark, 3 News. The Easter Bunny would have been well advised to steer clear of central Otago this weekend as over 550 hunters competed in the 20th annual Easter hunt. Teams are matched up with farming blocks across the region and have 24 hours to shoot and bag as many of the fluffy pests as they can. Here's Dave Gooselink. It's the year of the rabbit and the animals are certainly running rampant in central Otago. Hundreds of hunters were keen to stop them in their tracks at this weekend's Easter bunny hunt. Teams were dispatched to rural blocks across the region answering the SOS call from farmers. They appreciate the numbers being reduced I'm sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, they've just got to give us a, a barn, somewhere nice to sleep. 47 teams of trigger-happy shooters worked through the night to bag as many rabbits as possible. Organisers say the rabbit problem here is the worst it's been in over a decade. Rabbits breed like rabbits and uh, there's plenty of them out there and um, they're getting immune as well to the Khaleesi virus. So um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few and they're a real pest here for the farmers. Animal welfare campaigners are hopping mad about the annual charity hunt, which has claimed around a quarter of a million rabbits in the last 20 years. But hunters aren't fooled by their warm and fluffy image. Down here they don't, aren't as cute and cuddly as they possibly are in Auckland. Down here they pose a risk to the environment. And while many consider a rabbit's foot to be lucky, it certainly wasn't for around 23,000 of them this weekend. With the rabbits, we use their tails to make ta um, rabbit tail coats and we use their meat to turn into dog tucker. This year a top chef was on hand to prove that rabbit meat can also be gourmet. 
it's not actually that available and it's quite expensive, which is really weird. Um, I mean, it's, it's a pest and like you, you just can't seem to get your hands on it. Um, and, and it's expensive. Um, Australia use it a lot and it's really good. The winning team snared over 1,600 rabbits in the 24 hours. Other hunters going home with tales to tell, safe in the knowledge there are plenty of bouncing bunnies left for next year. Dave Gooselink, 3 News. Yes, we even have small children getting in on the fun of killing animals. And local groups make money from this, having the children clean up the body piles. Some of the event posters mentioned, rabbits are evil, and it seemed to be sponsored by alcohol companies. I recently met a bunch of local geocachers, grown adults who go on treasure hunts using GPS devices, like an iPhone, or even some of those Android devices if they can stop crashing for five straight minutes. Many showed up, 24 people, which is a lot more than I was expecting, and we had a great time talking about having fun outdoors. But many had fun outdoors in other ways, through killing animals, and they talked about this. Quite a few were dairy farmers, and they talked about the Gypsy Day moves coming up, changing farms around this time of year, having coal cows on the truck, the older or sick cows being thrown on a truck to be delivered to the slaughterhouse. There isn't a difference between killing the Easter bunny at Easter time and killing a cow. Regardless of how some religions feel about them, be they Easter bunnies, or, you know, because that's got everything to do with religion, of course, or cows being sacred or as being under our dominion I don't think the cows really care I don't think it really means we should kill them on a whim but it's not just Australians wrestling slash killing crocodiles for fun New Zealanders deeming rabbits enemies of the state needing to be killed en masse around Easter time in competitions all around the world cultures kill other animals even in the fictional, yellow-skinned, four-fingered world of The Simpsons. Tonight on Eye on Springfield, the Munchkins from The Wizard of Oz. Where are they now? And we'll visit a nudist camp for animals. But first, a look at the local holiday that was called distasteful and puerile by a panel of hillbillies. Whacking day! Oh, no, no! In a tradition that dates back to founding father Jebediah Springfield, every May 10th, local residents gather to drive snakes into the center of town and whack them to snake heaven. <coughs> after exposing Alger Hiss, Honorary Grand Marshal Richard Nixon goes after another deadly hiss. <coughs> Is whacking day over? Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Oh, it's all so barbaric. Hey, kids. How was school? I learned how many drams in a penny weight. Whacking day's coming. Woohoo! The greatest day of the year. But killing snakes is evil. Maybe so, Lisa. But it's part of our oh-so-human nature. Inside every man is a struggle between good and evil that cannot be resolved. I am evil, Homer! I am evil Homer. I am evil Homer. I am evil Homer. Often killing animals much smaller than ourselves is seen as being somehow masculine, that women can't resist a man who shoots or clubs the defenseless to death. Look what I got, Marge. A new whacking stick. Whack! Oh, 
Excuse me. Whack, whack, whack! Yes, honey. Then what should I do? Just squeeze your rage into a bitter little ball and release it at an appropriate time. Like that day I hit the referee with a whiskey bottle. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. When Daddy hit the referee? Yeah. Yeah. You could make a remark about regulating atrocities there, about change from within. I'd much rather promote veganism. This next clip is particularly odd. In future episodes, we find out Apu is vegan, while here, he promotes Whacking Day, which isn't very well thought out, in multiple ways. Your official Whacking Day headquarters. I've hidden a snake somewhere in the store. The first one to whack it gets a free squishy. Oh, I should have put more thought into my promotion. And the Lord said, Whack ye all the serpents which crawl on their bellies, and thy town shall be a beacon unto others. So you see, Lisa, even God himself endorses Whacking Day. Let me see that. No. Everyone gets behind such events. It's seen as noble, angelic, and manly, even for those who've had their testicles cut off. Should I whack slow or fast? Slow, then fast. <laughs> uh -oh. Dad, please, for the last time, I beg you, don't lower yourself to the level of the mob. Lisa, maybe if I'm part of that mob, I can help steer it in wise directions. Now, where's my giant foam cowboy hat and air horn? And now, to open this year's festivities, here's our Grand Marshal, the Prophet of Love, Larry White. Barry White. No, it says here, Larry White. I know my own name. Yeah? Well, we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, my unlimited love to y'all. It's truly an honor to be here at this... Hey, what is this all about, anyway? Oh, God, no. You people make me sick. Were they even listening to me? I uh, don't think so. And now, let's hear it for our own Miss Springfield. Gentlemen, start your whacking. Well, according
According to this, snakes hear by sensing vibrations in the ground. So, if we put our stereo speakers on the ground and play something with a lot of bass, those snakes will be in here like Oprah on a baked ham. Oh, good idea. Let's see. Bass, bass, Tiny Tim, the chipmunk's greatest hits, a castrato Christmas. Oh. Can't get enough of your love, babe. <gasps> Mr. White, can we borrow you for a minute? Anything for a lady. Don't bother the snakes. Leave all the snakes alone. Ah, yeah. Oh, baby. Mommy. My darling, I can't get enough for your love, babe. Girl, I don't know, I don't know why. Can't get enough of your love, babe. People of Springfield, Whacking Day is a sham. It was started in 1924 as an excuse to beat up the Irish. Oh, it's true. I took many a lump. That was all in good fun. Now, wait a minute. How can you people turn on snakes after all they've done for you? I'm an old man. I hate everything but Matlock. Who is that now? Mrs. Glick, who killed all those rats in your basement? Snake did. And you like snakes, don't you, Barry White? I love the sexy slither of a lady snake. Oh, baby. Hooray for snakes! Hooray for snakes! Look at this, everyone. Twelve dead snakes. Boo! I'm sick of you people. You're nothing but a pack of pickle mush heads. He's right. Give us hell, Quimby. Yeah! As free as the wind blows, as free as the... Unfortunately, the real, non-yellow-skinned, five-fingered email to jwontdart at gmail.com Subject, technical error in episode 55 Message, uh, Dear Mr. Wyatt, in uh, episode 55, you incorrectly counted the human thumb as a finger. The four-fingered <laughs> world isn't as simple as a 30-minute episode of The Simpsons. Before that guy starts emailing me again, yes, I'm aware each Simpsons episode is closer to 23 minutes in length without commercials. I really think we're doing the right thing by promoting veganism, a respect for all animals, Rabbits, whales, crocodiles, chickens, and yes, even for hellish countries like Australia that have them, snakes. Perhaps a large percentage of my generation have grown up with subliminal messages from The Simpsons, that we've grown up with Lisa the Vegetarian and Whacking Day episodes of the show, and this shows that saving other animals from death can be a decent thing to do. Perhaps we only need to promote veganism to tie into these childhood feelings towards other animals. And what better way to do that than by using childish language and talking of your chicken friends all the time? Although, not all cartoon television series, easy to find through BitTorrent, have such a positive message towards other animals. Take this episode of King of the Hill about the co-op. Morning, Hank. Say goodbye to Victor over there. I'm taking him to the slaughterhouse. 
Well, okay, but it's not so much goodbye as it is see you later. It can be difficult being around people like that in real life. But if Jesus didn't want us to kill chickens, why did he make them out of chicken flesh and let a southern gentleman put 12 secret spices on the corpse? I think we need to be careful how we talk with non-vegans too. Like this news story about that bloody double down burger made from the bodies and abuse of chickens, pigs and cows. This news story sought a counterpoint from SAFE, trying to end the accusations of the media giving KFC free publicity we're safe, say the problem with this product is that the chickens are not raised or killed humanely. I say the problem is that we are killing and hurting 56 billion plus animals a year. But I'll hold my comment until I've read the three news report. The KFC Double Down Burger has been widely hailed as the new supervillain of fast food. But its lack of nutritional value isn't the burger's worst attribute, according to New Zealand Animal Rights Group, SAFE. 3 News has received a number of comments expressing concern, not just for the burger's health effects, but for how humanely the chickens that become the double down are reared and killed. Safe director Hans Creek believes the concerns are valid and says he doesn't think the children's, the children's, the chickens used by KFC New Zealand are raised or killed humanely. He says the chickens, which are alive for six weeks before being killed and sold, are kept in hugely overcrowded sheds, with up to 19 birds per square metre. In order to grow the birds to slaughter weight in a short time, Mr Creek says they are fed antibiotics which promote growth, and also keep the birds from dying. If you didn't feed them the antibiotics, they probably wouldn't live. As a side effect, it makes the birds grow faster and bigger. Mr. Creek points to footage taken inside New Zealand chicken factories where birds are starved to death next to their food trough with their legs bowed. They can't reach the food troughs because their bodies are so heavy. We have an industry where 3 million animals die every year because of health-related illness. It's a major problem. A KFC spokesperson denied the claims, saying that animal welfare is an issue the fast food company feels strongly about. All the chicken we use in New Zealand comes from Inghams and Teagle, two companies committed to following all the right animal welfare codes and guidelines and ensuring the humane treatment of all their birds, KFC said in a statement this afternoon. There are a lot of negative stories out there about the living conditions of animals raised for food, so we're proud that international animal welfare practice expert Dr Temple Grandin has audited both Inghams and Teagle and says the New Zealand operations reach a gold standard in the treatment of broiler chickens. Both Inghams and Teagle's websites state that the companies ensure their chickens are as healthy and comfortable as possible. I don't think it's a major problem if an extra 3 million chickens die before we can kill them, when we successfully kill 49 billion chickens each year. I really wish veganism was mentioned in the report. The problem is not how humanely we as self-anointed, semi-divine beings kill those lesser, gentle species, but that we do it at all. Here's my published comment on the story's website. What a terrible shame. However, the problem is not how humanely we kill other sentient beings, but that we see them as things, as chattel property to begin with. We kill over 49 billion chickens each year, and for what? Tradition? Perceived pleasure? Profit? Fried chicken. 
A certain Mr. Jackson mentioned taking a look in the mirror, of making the change we wanted to see in the world. Take a look at yourself, at you. That you can easily be rotated a little. Make it an N, and add that to fried chicken. What will you have? Why, for almost zero cost, not a greasy lump of corpse on either side of a dead pig's flesh, the processed breast milk of a mother cow, but a chicken friend. I know I love the chicken friends I know. They rather like eating falafel and sharing amongst their family. It's as easy to be vegan as not, and the least other animals deserve. Not to be seen as a thing, as an it, but respected as our friends. Jordan Wyatt, Invercargill Vegan Society, www.invsoc.org.nz Yes, I knew what kind of responses I'd get from non-vegans. Oh, he's just another one of those pushy greenies who won't shut up about his way or the highway, who thinks he's better than everyone else and he's probably one of them homosexuals too. I managed to bring up veganism into the story, just by speaking out, and hopefully non-vegans would see my comment and visit the Invercargill Vegan Society website, or better still, the direct link to a video of Mr. Rooster enjoying falafel. Who would want to hurt such a friendly, gentle animal? I hope more people can watch videos of my chicken friends and realise that they are connected to that pink fatty blob on their plates and that they too will want to have chicken friends of their own. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, please send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t at gmail.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t or even that Facebook, Jordan Wyatt or jwontdart once again. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.